You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Christine Zorick, who's the founder and CEO of White Label Advisors. Christine, how are you doing today? So good, Garrett. How are you? I'm doing so great. It's great to have you on the show today. I am excited to tap into just that wealth of HR and people knowledge that I know that you have today. So before we do that, tell our listeners just a little bit more about your career background and what your company, White Label Advisors, does. Sure. Um, first, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I really appreciate being here and love your, your audience, small business owners and HR professionals. Um, they all have a special place in my heart. So I, I'm really excited for this, this discussion. Uh, in great questions, my career backgrounds, uh, my degrees actually in business management. Uh, and I loved that approach, even though I was really drawn to uh, the human sciences like anthropology and archaeology. Uh, I thought business management was probably more palatable to <laughs> building a career from. And so uh, really interesting, you know, with kind of my personal passions within anthropology and and high school, certainly history uh, and taking, you know, taking my business knowledge um, and really falling into HR because I reported to a fantastic CFO uh, who allowed me or provided me with space to really get creative and, and, innovate my role for their group and and for us to achieve these business outcomes and and financial outcomes i i found that creating high trust relationships with the employees my peers uh, it was a steel manufacturing company so hmm. uh, you know the the laborers in the shop and um, everyone right we were all kind of one group and it was very inclusive um, but building high trust relationships with everyone really helped me and the CFO kind of achieve you know those objectives that we had set um, and it was it was very successful for the company and and I you know fell into HR that way which was really I did, you know, start an HR program from the ground up uh, for a company that act a startup, but had been around for 31 years. And I wore all HR hats. I was on the board of directors. Uh, but over three years, we built a fantastic HR program that was very proactive and helped achieve kind of, you know, those business goals and financial outcomes through the people um, because we facilitated really great human connection. Um, and today, that's what White Label Advisors does. We work with many clients um, from a strategic and fractional HR uh, basis because we believe uh, that HR is the internal construct to all of the external constructs of the business. So when we talk about talent acquisition, it really is the sales process. And when we're marketing communication strategy mm-hmm. to employees, um, it, it's really important to understand, you know, uh, highlights and wins for marketing strategies. And so for um, running, you know, a large HR team of 10 uh 
people nationwide where we had uh, 5,500 employees across states. Uh, I was um, very deliberate about having a communications major on our team so they could, you know, effectively communicate this very, you know, human-centered approach out to the, the brands, the VPs, the managers, um, and, and really tailor that message to each culture that, that we were serving to. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what we do. It's it's no, that's, that's super exciting. And I think it's so valuable for so many companies. I know that, you know, a lot of companies that we work with are, you might have a more junior HR person. They're the solo HR person. A lot of times we even call them accidental HR people because a lot of times they didn't even study HR. They don't have no background. They're maybe an office manager or an assistant that's kind of taken on some of those HR responsibilities. So I can see how valuable it can be to partner with a company like yours, White Label Advisors, to help them understand how to do it the right way and also kind of bridge that gap between the work that they're doing and the C-suite, which can be challenging for so many small business HR professionals. Yeah, it really can be. And that's our passion. We love helping there. I love it. So one question I have for you before we really jump into our topic, I like to ask a lot of people, you kind of hinted at this a little bit as you were sharing your introduction, but what drew you to HR? And the second part of that is what's kept you in the field of HR throughout your career? Great, great question. So I think what originally drew me to it um, was really understanding that there is latent potential uh, within uh, the people in an organization. And we can really harness that potential by helping people understand their individual value, recognizing each person person with the dignity that they do have, um, and helping them achieve greater things. Uh, We really like to um, model or talk about the book Multipliers, but it really is just giving people the space to grow, helping them believe in themselves. And it's really fascinating to see what they can accomplish from that. Yeah. I love that. I love that question. I think it's similar for so many HR professionals out there. One of the Mm -hmm. reasons why you get into it and one of the reasons why you stay into it is for the people, right? You have a passion for the people and kind of that untapped potential, like you said, that they have and what that can mean for an organization as a whole. So I think that's super powerful. So, um, well, I'm excited to jump into this topic today. As you and I were discussing what do we talk about on this episode? You threw out this idea of human connectivity within organizations. And so I was kind of intrigued by that. And so to really start us off and make sure that we're all on the same page, tell us a little bit more about your definition for human connectivity. What does that mean to you? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it can be a new term or a new concept. And the way that I like to explain it is really breaking it down to almost a simple kind of science experiment. And when we're looking at molecular structures, you know, we talk about cohesion and uh, the sum of parts forming a united whole because they have these strong bonds. Um, and to me, uh, you know, social cohesion really is human connectivity. Um, and we can create these very strong kind of unbreakable bonds uh, between humans. And we do that through, you know, looking out for the well-being of the team, uh, through being inclusive and fighting marginalization and um, providing, uh, you know, creative opportunities and really facilitating high trust relationships. Yeah, no, I love that definition. And I think that um, it's it's obviously something that 
every organization, as they would hear that definition, as you hear you explain it, would think that, yeah, that's important for us to make sure that we can have that within our organization. But it's also a concept that seems like inherently hard to measure, right? So, you know, kind of next question for you kind of going into that is, you know, when an organization can really get that human connectivity right, and they do it well, how does that really impact that organization's ability to achieve business goals or financial outcomes? Because it seems important, but kind of vague and I don't know, like fluffy, if you will, for lack of a better term. So how do you tie that to, you know, business outcomes, especially when you're talking about this topic to an owner of a business and, or a CFO, and that's the language that they speak, right? Right. Um, and I, I love how you pose that question and the challenge to it, because I, I've been, I, I've had the opportunity to work through that challenge several times in my career. And that is the sticky factor for me. I'm so passionate about this now and really helping illustrate um, the very tangible, real quantifiable value of what we consider to be soft or intangible. Um, And it, you know, it's, it's all inextricably linked, I think is um, the best way to start explaining it. Um, But through that human connectivity, um, we have to think, um, in terms of, you know, optimal performance. Um, so I had uh, someone last year who really helped me understand that, um, you know, relating kind of optimal performance to formula one, when a formula one engine is running in perfect harmony, it's called uh, lead oscillation. And at the end of the day, are we not trying to achieve that for our teams? Are we not trying to achieve optimal workflows, optimal systems, sequences, outputs, products, equality checks? And and so um, because people are the ones that design the systems and develop the products, um, they are influencing the tangible, uh, you know, KPIs. They're mm-hmm. influencing uh, the bottom line, the PNL, all of it. Um, and and we can't have one without the other. And what's been really interesting about the challenge in, um, in I think creating like this infrastructure so we can see it and we we understand that it's real um, is that. Um, most often we see finance and people as very separate. Um, and at White Label, we have three very simple HR metrics, which have allowed us to create predictive algorithms to uh, accurately predict financial outcomes um, hmm. on the PNL, just simply by knowing, uh, you know, are, are the employees happy, fulfilled, and safe? Happy is measuring the relationship between the manager and the employee because the manager's uh, impact on the employee affects them um, most on a day-to-day basis. So it's influencing, um, you know, their ENPS score. It's influencing how they're feeling about work, their sentiment at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, if they want to come back and try harder tomorrow, or if they're going to sit back because they don't feel like they're making a difference. Um, and that really flows over to the family's perception of the organization, um, which can influence uh, retention or turnover for those employees. Um, but with fulfillment, you know, we're looking at more broadly with the organization is, you know, the small business owner providing um, areas of growth or opportunity for employees that might be in, let's say, the office manager role that's also wearing mm-hmm. the 
Starhat that wants to try an employee resource group because, you know, they support LGBTQ um, or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and it's really important for people to have that fulfillment factor so that they feel like they're serving not only a meaningful personal purpose, but also contributing to kind of the broader organizational purpose. And that's a sticky factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the uh, safety uh, metric, we're really looking at psychological safety and physical safety. Um, and I think we'll talk more about the physical or the psychological safety when we get get into remote work conversations. No, I love that. I think that's so great. So happy, fulfilled, and safe. Employee, employees are happy, fulfilled, and safe. And there's a, sounds like different ways you can measure that, right? But that is something that can really predict you know, the productivity of each employee and how successful they're going to be for the organization as a whole. Is that right? Right. Absolutely. Because if our team doesn't have psychological safety with each other, if we have low trust relationships, we're not going to be transparent with each other. Our feedback loops are going to be broken. We're not going to be transferring data or information. Um, We could be holding it. We could be uh, starting to, you know, leverage our political capital. And I'm sure you've seen all of those things in different organizations. Um, And we want to alleviate all of that. We want every person on the team to be able to contribute individually understand their value and care about the well-being of the team at the same time. I love that. I, I love how your organization, you know, with your background in HR and also business management has been able to really bridge that gap. That's so challenging for so many organizations between HR and the people side, the happy side, the fulfilled, the safe side, and what that means for the bottom line of the organization. I think that's so powerful and something that most organizations, especially small and medium-sized growing businesses can all likely do better. And so I think that that can be super, super powerful. Um, So this is great. Next question I have for you really on this topic is, you know, when we talk about human connectivity within an organization, where should that ideally start? Great question. Um, I believe it starts with each individual person. Uh, And especially the, you know, for the small business, um, the founder, the CEO, maybe their partner, or if they have a light executive team for each one of the leaders to be able to work through the self-reflection, the self-awareness, and have the discipline and the ability to change when they know that they need to improve something. And it starts with each and every person um, to to be able to, I, I think, you know, believe in themselves, have that personal confidence, but then Uh, to be able to look beyond themselves, because what we see a lot of times with new managers um, or new leaders, um, they can, they can turn to self-preservation mode because it's so overwhelming, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, maybe there are so many CEOs that were fantastic salesmen or salespeople, um, you know, or came from a different, um, role. And then they have this fantastic idea and they go out and and start it, which is great. But because they haven't maybe led in this capacity before, they can turn to self-preservation. So it's really important to be able to, again, have that 
uh, ability to self-reflect, be self-aware, and then and then work through that personal change. Um, but what that does is it creates an organization that's focused on, you know, the well-being of everyone and can really now say, hey, our people really are important and we're overwhelmed because of our growth. And we didn't expect, you know, maybe mm-hmm. to hit, you know, these sales targets this month. And we don't even have time to think about this, but how can we in a very easy way kind of break this down to say, these are our, you know, top two or three goals for our people. And when people walk through the door, you know, every day, or they're on Slack every day talking to each other, we want them to feel uh, these ways. And I think it can be very, very simple, but it needs to be conscious, right? And that consciousness yeah. really starts with the person. No, I love that. And so if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hearing there's kind of two pieces to this. It's partially starts at the top with the leadership and you create a culture of this um, by how executives um, act and how self-aware they are. And the second piece of it is really going back to what you said even before of how important that relationship is between the manager and the employee. And so when there's when there's psychological safety there, like we've talked about, and the manager isn't focused just on self-preservation, yeah. right? And there's there's trust built there, then that can be so powerful for empowering individual employees to feel connected to the rest of the organization. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. I could not have said it better. Excellent. So um, I think that's so interesting and so important. I think um, when you think about, especially that manager to employee relationship, it seems like a hard gap, especially as organizations start to grow and they start adding in that that middle level management really for the first time, right? When it's, when a company just starts out, it's usually the executive team or the ownership and everyone else, right? But eventually you get to that point where you it's not scalable anymore. You have start to have middle level managers. So when you're at that point, how do you ensure that the managers that you're bringing in, maybe it's for the first time, like you talked about someone for the first time, how do you ensure that you can instill that culture in those, those new managers so that they aren't so focused on self-preservation and they can help uh, improve that connectivity for the employees on their teams? Great questions. And I, I think there's some really easy ways to do that. Um, and I think to, to preface, you know, th- these easy ways, un- having the understanding that strong management equals strong balance sheets um, is vital. And first is what are the success criteria for managers in your organization? So as you're creating this level of management, you need to be able to put into context what a successful manager looks like um, so that you can help them achieve success. If we don't define success and we just, you know, throw a management role at someone, how can we ever expect them to perform? And Mm -hmm. And so there has to be that level of consciousness again. Okay, you know, if if we're creating managers or we're creating this management role, um, let's let's talk about what success means for them in this role. Um, and then, uh, you know, what's the pre-selection criteria that we are going to, you know put candidates through, or maybe we have someone in mind, but we're still going to work through um, this criteria, whether it's a scorecard or, you know, something else on, on what um, we want, you know, our managers to be and encompass by way of leadership, by way of, you know, know-how, accountability, ownership, things like that. Um, and so, 
start starting consciously knowing, you know, success metrics for management and then running them, you know, having set pre-selection criteria um, and then also training and development for managers is, is vital. Um, as soon as you assume a team leader, a management role, you actually become an agent of the company and you are now potentially placing liability on the company because of what you say or what you do. Um, and so at white label, we actually, uh, suggest to all of our clients that they, um, take their managers through, uh, an employment law, um, for management seminar, which is fantastic. And it gives managers kind of this base layer, you know, one on 101 on why certain federal and state laws are important. Not that they have to, you know, be experts in it, but we need them to be aware so that when they are acting as an agent of the company, um, they understand, you know, some of the, some of the liability. But then beyond that, you know, how do we foster high trust relationships? How do we work with a personality that we've never liked working with and we've been able to avoid it. But now that personality is on our team and you're managing them, you know, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? So there's, there's uh, so much learning and development that can uh, really be given to the managers by way of a tool that the company provides. Yeah. I think I, I love those suggestions that you made. I think so often for a small business, it's, it's really, um, more, um, <laughs> you, you, you start, adding in that layer of management after the time when you probably need it. So mm-hmm. some of that stuff might be like almost after the thought. What I really like about what you, those tangible tips that you just shared is it feels a lot more proactive. It's before you hire someone in, make sure you have the success criteria, which seems so simple, but so often it's harder to do in the moment when it's like, we just need someone here now managing, let's put this person in a management role. But what you're saying is it's so such an important part of making sure things continue to run smoothly, that you have to make sure that it's set up in the right way. You've taken the time to define success criteria and walk those new managers through the expectations and give them that base level context of what this new role might mean for them, even if they're a long-term employee who's been at your company for a while. Exactly. Exactly. Because that role is entirely different. And again, if we're looking at it through the lens of strong management equals strong balance sheets, and we're working so hard and we've spent so much time money, resources on developing maybe a sales pipeline to bring that mm-hmm. revenue in. Don't we want, you know, to supplement those efforts and make it worth something when it hits the bottom line? Yeah. Um, and so I, I just think it's vital. Yeah, great. I do too. Yeah, great. Um, so Christine, next question I have for you is, I know you and your organization talk a lot about the future of work, right? And a lot of the materials that you're putting out there. So in this future of work, uh, what does human connectivity look like? Especially, you know, if we think about the last 12 to 18 months for so many people, uh, we're not working in the same physical space, whether it's due to COVID or whether it's because our organization has a lot of frontline employees that aren't necessarily in an office. And so when you're when you're not in the same physical space, what does that what does human connectivity look like? in that future of work? And how do you ensure as an organization that you're continuing to foster that human connectivity despite being remote? Yeah, great questions. And it's uh, it's a complex uh, scenario. It's a complex question. And I think we can unpack it in a very simple way. Um, so it's been fascinating to really um, understand, you know, a year and a half in uh, to 
what's now the future of work because the pandemic accelerated abilities and capabilities that we had for years to go remote. And I, I believe the pandemic accelerated trust. It accelerated companies trusting their employees to be able to work from home productivity, productivity. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Um, we productively. Yeah. yeah. Productively and accurately um, and still be engaged. And, um, and what we've seen from that is, uh, you know, broader networks are shrinking, um, which we need to be mindful of because if we lose broad connections, you know, we can lose innovation and creativity. Um, but more importantly, you know, these kind of decentralized teams are really uh, growing in strength. And I would, you know, kind of pull that cohesion reference back in, uh, they are really bonding with each other, which is fantastic um, because we're seeing higher productivity outputs um, and better quality of work. Um, but as far as, you know, what can small business owners, what can HR professionals do today um, to really manage the future of work? Um, I, I, I am advising an AI tech company and uh, the entire decentralized platform is really built on game theory. Um, and I think understanding game theory can be very, very helpful um, in the future of work um, scenario that we're in now. We're actually gifting a number of our kind of executive clients a, a book that Simon Sinek wrote called The Infinite Game on game theory. And there's some other books that he references that I kind of went down, you know, that wormhole in that are very technical in nature. Um, but Simon Sinek, you know, is uh, eloquent and a, a beautiful writer and speaker. And so he really um, provides kind of the theory in a digestible way. And um, so I would recommend reading that book and then also The Art of Gathering um, because we have to be very intentional and almost more intentional um, in establishing kind of uh, these cohesive bonds between people in our broader networks. I think in some ways it has, again, become easier in decentralized teams, uh, but what you know, virtual opportunities are we providing our entire company to come together and get to know each other? Um, I think also volunteer opportunities, you know, employee resource groups that we talked about a little bit earlier can can really help facilitate kind of those co cohesive bonds as well. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that book by Simon Sinek also, by the way, I'll just put in a plug for that. We have uh, at Eddie, we have a, a book of the month that we often read. And that was our book a couple months ago and love it. It was, it's a great, great read. So I would definitely recommend that. So, so going back to this question, um, it sounds like that despite being decentralized or despite this decentralized teams that are coming about due to the pandemic or just the nature of the business that you can still facilitate that human connectivity as an organization. You just have to be more thoughtful about it. Like you need to make sure that you provide the opportunities for individuals and teams to come together. And a lot of times that's around, you know, individual activities that might happen or, you know, shared meaning or responsibility, um, that's a way for them to bond as well, even if they're uh, remote and not in the same physical location. Is that right? Absolutely. And I love what you shared about yeah, shared meaning and responsibility, you know, a thousand percent when we can um, come together and work towards a common goal, you know, even if it's beyond, you know, kind of, you know, the quarterly mission or <laughs> annual goals, um, but something really purposeful to our organization where we're trying to give back. Um, it, it's fascinating what can happen there. I love it. This is great. So Christine, if there are business owners or 
HR people, for smaller growing businesses who are listening to this right now and thinking, okay, I love what we're talking about here, human connectivity, but how do I go and start to improve this in my organization? Where would you recommend that they start? Great question. I think very simply, uh, we can look at how we're communicating to our employees. Uh, you know, how are we speaking to each other? Uh, what, you know, what do the emails, you know, what tone and what's coming across there? Uh, but I think also for the HR professional, really kind of respecting the offer letter and the job description uh, for the strategic, you know, documents that they can be. Uh, those are the first documents where you're really uh, facilitating a relationship with a, a new hire. Um, and so why don't we capitalize, you know, on the value that could be in there to, to state what our company values are? Do we have, you know, a mission and do we support, you know, maybe a nonprofit or do we get together uh, for shared responsibility and meeting in cool ways? You know, let's set, set it up for success with those relationships. Um, they don't have to be full legal documents. Um, you can work that all in together, right? It's inextricably linked. Um, so I think that's, that's an interesting way because you're setting the stage. Um, and then uh, one of the most important ways though is providing managers um, with the direction and giving managers the time from, you know, the founder, the CEO, or the executive team um, to really, you know, foster what management at our company should look like. So the managers can distill that out to the employees. I love those tips. I think they're super tangible and something that every organization could probably do better. Take it, take a look at, you know, that hiring onboarding process and make sure that you start off on a great foot there. I've seen that happen so many times where just having that mission, having that vision can even help you attract and win candidates that might have better offers somewhere else, right? Or better opportunities, but want to be a part of really that mission. And they join in that connectivity with others through that hiring process. And then training managers, like we talked about, so key, especially as you're growing and scaling to help facilitate that culture. So I love those tips. I think they're excellent, excellent tips. So Christine, as we wrap up here, um, this has been such an awesome conversation. I think there's so much that we can learn from this. One question I want to ask you that's unrelated to our topic that I like to ask all of our guests is really ties back to kind of our belief at Eddie, where really a part of our mission is, is to help local businesses build healthy, enduring companies uh, through investing in their people. And so in your opinion, what's the key today to building a healthy, enduring company? Uh, I believe transparency is uh, because if we're transparent, you know, we have open communication, we have open feedback loops, uh, we have a holistic sense of sharing and receiving information. Um, and part of that is, you know, as much as um, is reasonable, companies really being transparent about the financials. I think uh, having, you know, a shared responsibility in the financial outcomes, including longevity and sustainability for an organization really starts with the people understanding, you know, what cash flow is like. Um, <laughs> where's the money going? What are the budgets for? Um, we don't have, you know, a, um, a limitless bank account and we're not mm -hmm. carrying black MX cards. You know, we, we have to account for, 
the money, you know, flows in and out. And again, as reasonable, I think providing some financial education for the employees. So one, it helps guide um, the compensation uh, conversation. Uh, you know, if, if we're seeing an organization, you know, um, where let's say, you know, I'm an employee and my peer over at another company just got a 20% increase and I'm only off for 10 and I'm up in arms about it. Well, maybe if I understood kind of what our goals are, where our fiscal responsibility lies and what's coming in the future, I would be okay with that because I, I have my values aligned and I do feel a purpose and meaning because I'm contributing, you know, it kind of in these fulfilling ways and I'm not going to jump ship. Um, and so uh, it's really interesting watching the comp market trends right now. Um, and how employees and employers value comp differently. You know, as employees, we value our real inputs. And as employers, we're looking at market inputs or, the, you know, the nominal value on labor, um, which are two contrasting philosophies. And having, you know, open, transparent communication, I think, can really help bring everyone together versus, uh, you know, kind of uh, versus um, some of the division that's happening right now. I love that tip. I think it's so great. So trust and transparency, so key to building a healthy enduring company. I would totally agree with that comment. So Christine, again, thank you so much. This has been such an awesome conversation. If there are listeners out there who want to get a hold of you, have follow-up questions or want to get in contact with your company and learn more, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, we would love for anyone and everyone to reach out. Uh, we have a wonderful staff. And um, so if you want to reach out to White Label Advisors, you can just go to our website, whitelabeladvisors.com. We have a contact form. You can reach out to us that way. Um, if you do want to schedule time with me, I'm working through my exceptional EA. Uh, is fantastic. Uh, she believes in culture and she's our culture magnet at the company. Um, her email address is amy at White labeladvisors.com. You can also DM me on LinkedIn. I'm just Christine Zorick, but with a WZ. Um, and then I also have a website as well, just uh, christinezorick.com. If you want to find out more about my career uh, experience there. Wonderful. I'd encourage anyone who's interested to go and connect with Christine. She's super knowledgeable. I know she, it's only the tip of the iceberg that we got from her today. It was super impactful, but there's a lot more there. So thank you again, Christine. Appreciate you taking the time and hope you have a great rest of the day. Of course. Thanks, Garrett. And uh, best of luck to the audience. I, I can't wait to hear from you. Thanks. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.